This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday. It's the 11th of October. I'm tempted to go woohoo, but I thought, no, it's so busy outside here in London, um, presumably because of the rugby and presumably just because people want some excuse to go out and get drunk and there was traffic everywhere and, oh, it was just an absolute nightmare. Anyway, it's nice to have a company. I was delighted to revisit my in-conversations with Chris Tarrant. Happy birthday. I think from yesterday, actually. That's what Toby tweeted anyway. So many happy returns to him for that. And uh, to Joanna Lumley. And uh, that concert is on the 20th of this month at the Cadogan Hall. Halls. uh, uh, and it's repeated again this evening, that programme, at nine o'clock here on LBC. So much to get through in the papers, a new book to tell you about, and the usual sorts of stuff that goes on on a Sunday morning. It's a kind of way of easing you into the day. There's going to be a lot of people running for charity today. My friend Jez is running for charity. Well, I say charities, he's running for Make Some Noise. And uh, he will boost the total a little bit for... I think he's got about two grand's worth of sponsorship. I know 350 quid of it is mine because I, I very stupidly got carried away. Not stupidly, actually. I decided I wanted to do it anyway. And, um, and so I sort of uh, I sponsored him thinking he'll never manage it. But of course, he's actually quite fit. So there's a very good chance he will manage it. Uh, plus, very kindly, I always get sent things on this programme. I think people feel sorry for me and they go, if, if we see something that's to do with sprouts or Prosecco... If we send it in to Steve Allen, he will be very grateful. And so here it comes uh, from a no-named person who sent in a a card as well with it, saying that they were down in London uh, with the family. And so I'm going to... I am your personal customer assistant. And and, uh, it's very nice indeed. And so I've managed to get my, my, my hands on two packets of Fizz and Sparkle, Winter Berries and Prosecco, hand-cooked crisps with edible gold stars and a touch of fizz. And so I thought, oh, it'll be nice. It'll be like emptying out, you know, sort of a Christmas card. But no, the actual stars are on the crisps. They're actually stuck on the crisps. They're tiny, but they're stuck on the crisps. I suppose if you had them on, on, you know, with sort of lights, it'd be quite nice, actually. Talking of lights, uh, I woke up yesterday morning fairly early and I was watching this. I flicked around the channels and there it was. Yeah, you got to buy this, you got to buy this, this is really good. The dreadful Sally Jacks, who has completely destroyed Ideal World with her caterwauling, the most awful voice in living memory. I mean, it's just the most screechy, screechy, awful voice. It is, it is one of the worst female voices I've ever heard on the tele- television. She used to do bid-up TV, but luckily that folded. And, uh, and now she's turned up an ideal world after a, an absence of ages and ages. And she's got the most awful voice, the most ridiculous hair. But she was flogging, I prefer to listen to the other woman, a projector uh, for Christmas. Made in metal, which I think is quite good. So it's all weather and it projects stars, moving stars and things on the ceiling and on building. You do whatever you want. So, I mean, I couldn't resist it uh, to buy the thing. And that, unfortunately, meant that I embarked on a, on a spree of spren- spending yesterday. And I don't normally go on a spree of spending. I might go out there with all good intentions, but I always come back with nothing. Yesterday, I ended up with a pair of jeans from Marks and Spencers, two pairs of Levi's from uh, Costco. And I've not bought Levi's for years. It's not that I mean when it comes to jeans. It's just that I don't think any pair of jeans is worth 70 quid. And these weren't. They were 40. So I bought two pairs of those. And then I bought some Prosecco. Surprise, surprise. Then I came back. Then I thought I'd go and buy a pair of shoes. 
So I went to buy a pair of shoes. Now, I'm normally ten and a half, but they only had eleven, so I bought eleven. And they're actually OK. I'm sort of wearing them in this morning. And, uh, and I've got this fabulous book, which I, which I pinched from here. It was sitting on somebody's desk. I mean, they're not going to do it as, a, as an interview, and it's going to get far more coverage on my programme. And I couldn't resist it, uh, because it's, it's my sort of book, which means it's got to do with history, which means it's got to do with the history of London, which means it's got to be readable... And it's got to be entertaining. And this one is called More London's Strangest Tales. Uh, it's by a guy called Tom Quinn. And what on earth was that? What was I listening to then? I was hearing something very strange coming in. Where was that from? Were you doing something then? All of a sudden I heard something very odd. And it was, I don't know where it was coming from. It might have been coming from my little squawk box or something. But, oh, it's a newsreader. They're not going to... Oh, right. Are they all of a sudden going to start coughing or something like that or go, oh, and swear? That'd be awful. But uh, London's Strangest Tales by Tom Quinn is, is a super book. And it's, it's got all sorts of interesting facts. For example, for example, I'll, I'll read you this bit. It's called A Barn in Town. The ancient gatehouse of St James's Palace still stares north up St James's Street. I see it every single day. Uh, soon after the palace was first built... Houses sprung up along the road north towards what is now Piccadilly. Miraculously, one of two houses, including Locke and Company Hatters, survive from the late 17th century. Apart from two 18th century gentlemen's clubs, the other buildings that lie in St James date mostly from the end of the 19th century. Their grand forms a reflection of what was seen as the power of a great empire. But take a left turn, a short way up St James's Street, into Blue Ball Yard... And you'll see a most remarkable and bizarre survivor from the days when the area was home to the palace and its farms. The long, low building that fills two sides of the courtyard into which the alleyway opens looks remarkably like an old farm building. And that's exactly what it is. As the main St James's Street was redeveloped over the centuries, the farm to which this barn was once attached was forgotten. But it was certainly here in the 17th century when it was used to stable horses. A truly extraordinary survivor. So that's where I'm going. I'm going to go and have a look at Blue Ball Yard and have a look at this barn which survives from the late 1600s. And that's just one of many of hundreds and hundreds of things in here. All sorts of things. Gladstone, bad. There's a set of gates which are halfway down uh, from the Ritz, heading down as if you're going to the Hard Rock Cafe on the left-hand side. Now, I have to wonder what they were doing there. A set of gates to go into uh, the park. Not really necessary. And it turns out they were the gates from a big mansion which stood on the other side of the road. And there's all these things around London that you can find out. There's, uh, hopefully there are these guides to all the major cities. Because it is, it's, I mean, I sat on the train reading it thinking, I've definitely got to do this book on the programme. So you'll all be writing in going, what was that book again, Steve? It's more London's Strangest Tales by Tom Quinn. It's uh, $12.99. It's a, it's a paperback, but, but very good it is too. Bob in Bracknell enjoyed the in-conversation. I thought they were both lovely. I thought they were both, abs- I, I, to be brutally honest with you, I've never had a bad in conversation yet. It's all the ones that I sometimes I sometimes dread because sometimes somebody comes in and I might not know as much about them as I should do. And I always say in the office, they go, how's everything going? How's everything going? And uh, I always go, it's going fine. It's going fine. And they come in and everybody's absolutely charming. Everybody is, is charming. On Friday, you remember, I did um, Elizabeth Hurley and she came in 
And the door opened. I was already sitting in the studio waiting. I sort of sit there, you know, going, oh, God, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? And, um, and there are stipulations that come with, uh, with Elizabeth. She doesn't want to talk about love life or anything like that, which is understandable. I, 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 I buy into that. Anyway, the door opened and there she was. And she went, oh, it's you, she said. Oh, I'm so glad it's you. And I thought, oh, well, there you go. That makes me feel a lot better about life. And everybody says exactly the same. What was she like? What was she like? Charming, gorgeous, wonderful. Joanna Lumley, charming, gorgeous. Really, really lovely. Really lovely. And as she said, we've known each other for simply ages. Simply, simply ages. And she does not forget. She's very good at that. Me, I'm crackers. I can't remember half a thing. I was having a sit down with one of our other presenters, Steve. And I couldn't remember the name. of the. It turns out we're so similar. Very, well, you know. We're sort of similar in our outlook because he's a big fan of Wendy Craig. And I said, God, I grew up with Wendy Craig. Mother makes five, mother makes three. I loved her. I said, now she's in this programme where she plays a matron. He said, is she? I said, yeah. I couldn't remember what it was called. Is it called The Royal? Because I'll have to tell him later on it's called The Royal because we both racked our brains. And then we turn out to both be fans of Columbo. And I said there was a spin-off programme called Mrs Columbo. He said, was there? I said, yeah. I said, you'll, you'll probably find it on YouTube or Amazon. And then I went on to Amazon yesterday and, and I, was, I was buying all sorts of bizarre things. Uh, all of my stuff has turned up. The two things I'm missing, one is a book from America that's a very expensive book, about $250 worth of very expensive book. And I don't know where that's gone. Luckily, I paid for it on PayPal. So uh, we shouldn't have any, any trouble getting the, uh, the money back. So, and the other one, I'm still waiting for the, uh, the ShamWows. We got, we got the second lot we ordered. They came very quickly from uh, this guy who sells on eBay. In fact, so much so, I might buy some more. Because they, they came packaged in uh, packets of two. I think they came via Poland for some strange reason. Anyway, uh, what with that and the fact that we get ever nearer Christmas. And we're going to take all your texts and emails on the programme this morning. Even Stephen Chelsea says, woke up to Christo. Listen to you feel better. Please, no fried bread. I'm very weak. I know. I thought about fried bread the other day, and uh, and then I had um, we had a bit of bit of bit of reminiscing. Michael in Shoreditch says, "I've had those, Chris. They're horrid." I have to be, <laughs> have to be honest. But I've just had one, and I did go. It's one of those flavors, this prosecco crisp, and um, and you and somebody would go, "What does it taste like?" You go, "I don't really know. I can't really describe it because I don't know what dried prosecco tastes like." Well, I do now, no, but I had one which had stars on it. How amazing! Oh, Tom in Chelsea is the one who is melting in bed after Joanna Lumley's voice. She does have one of those fantastic uh, voices, doesn't she? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely great. But Michael in Shoreditch, I'm, I'm, I might try them on Chris see how she goes, actually. <laughs> she might not like them, I suspect. It's quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's 19 minutes past six. Nice to have your company. I hope you are well, being a Saturday... No, it's not Sunday morning. I have to remember, because I'm here on Saturday as well now, so uh, <laughs> I was sort of trying to catch up on the week. Of course, this was a week which I thought we'd never actually see, in the fact that uh, Peter Andre was branded an extremely unsatisfactory witness in the High Court. This was uh, also accused of complete fabrication. In other words, basically, he's a liar. And he turned up in court and he lied which wasn't good. So the cable channel ITV2 has now got to pay reality show producer Neville Hendricks substantial damages. I think they're looking at something like, the figure I heard banded around, was about six and a half million pounds. I mean, that is a serious amount of money. Uh, the, uh, the justice, Justice Flo, awarded the damages to Mr HTV Limited, a company owned by Neville, which produced a series of reality TV programmes featuring Peter Andre. 
Uh, Neville was also the one-time partner of Peter Andre's manager, who has uh, Can Productions. Uh, the judge sitting in London, <coughs> excuse me, was scathing about claims made by Peter Andre that he felt physically threatened after his close friend and manager Claire Powell allegedly received death threats from Mr Hendricks at the stormy end of their relationship, which involves scurrilous and vitriolic tweets on social media. He described, this is the judge, Peter Andre as an extremely unsatisfactory witness. On some issues, his evidence was not truthful and his death threat allegations were a complete fabrication, he ruled. The legal battle was fought over this production agreement, which had shows featuring both Peter Andre and Kerry Katona. The Andre agreement was for three years and related to Peter Andre, the next chapter series, and here to help. Uh, the Andre series initially concerned his marriage to Katie Price, formerly known as Jordan, and then his life in the aftermath of their divorce. The manager of both Peter Andre and Kerry at that time was Miss Powell, whose company, Can Associates, worked in close association with Mr Hendricks. As well as being a business partner, Mr Hendricks and Miss Powell had an on-off relationship for some years. They had a son together who was six in 2011, when in May that year their relationship deteriorated considerably. The judge says what appears to have particularly incensed Mr Hendricks was the discovery that Miss Powell had taken her latest boyfriend, Mr Drew Rush, who worked for the security company employed by Mr HTV, with her to Dubai during filming of a calendar shoot with Mr Andre and other clients that they had been conducting their affair while his six-year-old son was around. And so it went on. Anyway, in the end, Peter Andre was branded a liar. And um, and he's he's going to get his money, Mr Hendricks is. So that was a bit bitter, wasn't it? ITV2 have got to pay for that one, which will be about six and a half, seven million pounds. Small fortune, I should imagine. But Peter Andre, never a good thing to be branded. But of course, as Claire's his, his good friend, I suppose it would be easy to suggest that were we in a similar position with a close friend, you would stand up in court and say, um, just about anything, I should imagine. But uh, in this case, you know, if, if you stand up and you and you tell lies in court, it's going to stick with you for ages and ages and ages. Uh, Joe says, you've got me intrigued about the ShamWows. What do you personally use them for? I just like them. I use them for cleaning and for all sorts of things. For spillages. I think they're, I give them away as presents as well. Give them away as presents. I, I love the ShamWow. It's the only one that I've ever had that I absolutely enjoy. I love watching the demonstrations of it. And to find them is, is, is quite an achievement in this day and age. But luckily, you, you seem to do most of the work for me. And so people were sending me the, uh, the links the other day and saying, oh, here is the latest link, Steve, for these shamwows on eBay. Because remember, we had a disaster where the first woman seems to have disappeared. So that's, that's going through at the moment. And, uh, and I, shall, I shall make sure I get my money back. Uh, the other story about uh, Peter Andre this week, apart from the you're a liar in the court, uh, was the other revelation that appeared in one of the papers today, which says Peter Andre has denied the fact that he's vain, which, of course, is absolutely hilarious. Peter Andre travels with a makeup artist. You know, what you, of course he's vain. Don't be silly. He's in entertainment. Everybody in entertainment's vain. They go out there because they want to, they want to look good. And Peter faffs over his hair, which if it isn't, you know, tweezed and... T- and you've got to look at him to realise how much makeup he's wearing most of the time. That's what it's about. You're in the business of entertainment. Also, the staff down at Strictly have sort of said he's vainer than the girl dancers. And I thought, yeah, he probably is. Used to work in his brother's gym in Larnaca, which we all know about. And he, um, and he looks in the mirror a lot. In fact, you can see him looking in the mirror most of the time. He's, he's obsessed with his image because he's sick. That's why he does a calendar. If he wasn't obsessed and vain, why would he make a calendar? Otherwise, that just means you're a big show-off. I don't make a Steve Allen calendar. Not through lack of being asked. I, mean, I don't want you to think that, you know, because they've asked Peter Andre, they're not going to ask Steve Allen. 
you know, lots of people have been interested. The blind, mainly. They, they, they like the idea. I like that guy who was blind who phoned up Christo earlier on. I thought he was quite good. Now that he's blind, he sees more than when he was sighted. I liked all those quotes. I thought they were carefully rehearsed, but, but wonderful. I thought they were very, very impressive. Because isn't it in, in the country... What do they say now? In the, in the kingdom of the one-eyed man, the, he's, he's the king or something. I can't remember what it is. But I remember there was a, a book once, and it was about a sighted person in, uh, in a village full of blind people. And he thought he had the upper hand, but of course they knew everything. As that man was explaining to Christo, he, he might not be able to see all the things in his area, but he knows every crack in the pavement. He knows where the pavement goes down, the pavement goes up. He knows far more. In Audrey Hepburn play a blind girl in a, in a film once, and she could tell you, the guy came into the room, how much did he weigh? And she could tell you how much he weighed. Why? Because the floorboard creaked at a certain weight. A bit like a Columbo, isn't it? And this is known as the street that rains nuts. And it only does it at one time in the year. That's the kind of stuff I like, actually. Uh, the Christmas hamper story is very, very interesting. Because at this time of year, you will be getting ready, maybe if you're a big company, to give Christmas hampers away to people. It's a nice present. Somebody get I had a hamper delivered to me years ago from Costco. Woo! It was fantastic. It came in like a trunk. And it had champagne and flutes and dressing gowns and just all manner of wonderful things. Lovely, lovely things. It was, it was beautiful. And being the very generous person that I am, I say that just so that you'll realise it, uh, we had a raffle for the contents. I took out what I wanted, which actually turned out to be nothing, really. And uh, then all the, the people who work for LBC <coughs> got a raffle ticket. And if your ticket was pulled out, you get to pick something from the, from the chest or this trunk. It was absolutely enormous. When it was delivered, we got very excited. And we took a picture of it in the office because it was just so wonderful. But I've, there's a story in one of the papers today on the ones that you're going to be buying for Christmas. And so I thought I would do that a little bit later on, because it's, it's quite intriguing as to how much money is, uh, is floating around for some of these, these hampers. One of them is £20,000. As you can imagine, it's got to be a pretty special hamper for £20,000, and it is, and we'll tell you what it's really worth, because they've decided in one of the papers to go out and buy these things and dissect them and see what everything's worth. And the, uh, the results will surprise you. Robbie Williams is uh, lining up a payday of £14.7 million by dissolving a company that handles his profits. Why didn't somebody else do this a short while ago? In the back of my mind, there's, there's some actress, and I think she dissolved one of her companies and ended up with a huge payday. Anyway, um, this uh, company, Teddy Bear Productions, understood to be named after daughter Theodora Rose, uh, who's three, into voluntary liquidation. So he signed a statement of solvency to close it down. The the firm he set up in 2012, a company's house document shows this, um, took in £31.7 million from his Take the Crown tour in 2013 and has assets of £14.7 million. Pardon my French, bloody hell. <laughs> There's a lot of money out there, isn't there? It took in, in 2012, £31.7 million. I'll say it again. Hell. That's a huge amount of money. Anyway, he's also built up a huge personal fortune. Uh, they reckon he's got about 135 million. Well, he's now got an extra 14.7. He lives in a West London mansion, 46 room. Well, I live in West London. Where are, are our mansion? Oh, he's, he's not really West London. No, he's not. No, no, no. This is not West London. Well, it, this is uh, this is Kensington High Street. I know exactly where this is because I know the house, and it's Michael Winner's 
old house. He bought that one. I can take you to it right now, because I went round there on a couple of occasions. And I'm mortified to tell you that Geraldine, his ex-wife, is in hospital at the moment. She was attacked in her flat by two people with a crowbar who demanded jewellery and everything else. She's the nicest person you'll ever meet. And uh, she was attacked quite quite severely by two people who'd lain in wait in these luxury flats, which is uh, awful, absolutely dreadful. So we send our, uh, our love uh, to her and to anybody going in to visit her today. Uh, Chloe Baker is in The X Factor, I believe. I don't know who half these people are. I've really got no idea because I'm not watching The X Factor. But uh, a jealous male friend launched a vicious assault during a kidnap bid. And um, she was on a night out in her home city. I don't know when this was, actually. And um, she's been booted out, actually. So obviously trying to keep the, you know, the, the, this sort of oxygen of publicity going. It's a dreadful thing. Uh, this was on October the 8th. Oh, blimey. So it's quite close, actually. Quite close. I was attacked by a monster, she says. And talking of being attacked, there is a poor soul in the paper today. His name's Tommy. Tommy's an old soldier. 80. Beaten to a pulp. In his own home, his skull fractured, his jaw broken, his fingers snapped by sadistic cowards who stole his life savings and left him for dead. And as I've said time and time again, anybody who does this to anybody, I think we should string them up. I think we should string them up, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it, the family is so desperate. And uh, and the police... So, I mean, his, his, his life savings of £30,000, st- that's all he had in the world. He's 80. He's 80 years old. And if you see this picture in the paper today, your heart will bleed because it could be... Your father, your uncle, your brother, your friend, your neighbour. It could be any of these people here. Who in their right mind could actually beat an old man almost to death like this? I mean, who? You just kind of, you just can't wait to find them, can you? But uh, luckily, as the police work fairly fast with these sort of things, there'll be somebody, believe you me, in custody before the week is out, no doubt. And uh, then we can all look at them. And it'll turn out they'll either have a history of drug abuse or something. Well, how could you ever do that to anyone? I don't know how anybody could ever do that to somebody. Just just breaks your heart. It really does. Because you do think, don't you? It could be you. Uh, talking of it could be you. Yes, she's back in the papers again. Dreary old Gemma. Collins, I'm afraid. Piling it back on again, Gemma, as I predicted you would. That juice malarkey thing. Uh, this time she's found another boyfriend. This one's another drug dealer, ladies and gentlemen. She can't keep away from them at all. This one uh, was sentenced to 19 months jail as well. He's already spent seven and a half years, years in prison. It's a shame that poor old Gemma, with a brain the size of a pea, can't find anybody at all. He's also been sentenced to uh, nearly two years for beating up a 17-year-old boy. Class act, Gemma. Well done, you. Well, oh, wave your hands. The lights have gone off again. It's uh, six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Sunday morning. A lot of people getting up to go running today to raise a lot of money for charity. So good luck to you. I hope you managed to uh, to make it. And they're doing in those road closures, you've just heard, all around uh, St James's Park. I think the Mall. I think Trafalgar Square. It's all going to be very busy later on. So if you want to get out there and cheer on your favourite person, that'll be the place to head for. Nigel in Wimbledon says, In the Valley of the Blind, the one-eyed man is king. It's an H.G. Wells short story. His book of short stories was the best anthology of my childhood. And I grew up in the 50s. Crikey. That's something to be proud of. Actually, not uh, being proud of Gemma Collins at all. Having ditched her jailed cocaine dealer lover, Alex Moss, she's now grown close to this violent criminal, Carl Entwistle. Uh, she met him at a charity ball hosted by somebody called Dawn Ward, whoever in God's name she is. What sort of people are invited to charity balls now? This is now a, a drugs 
kidnap and assault person who spent more than eight years in prison. He gets invited to a charity ball. And, of course, Gemma the Thicko Collins goes out there. She can't find anybody, can she, really? Desperately lonely, desperately unhappy, but just grateful that somebody pays some sort of attention to her. So uh, she's posted a picture, and uh, she's hit it off with him, and they've swapped phone numbers. He then laughingly says later, it's probably best if I don't say anything out of respect for Gemma. Out of respect for Gemma, who's desperately apparently trying, we are told, by her agent, to get back into the Jungle programme. I think, actually, the best thing for her would be to stay off television and away from television, probably for the remainder of her life. I don't think we really want anything. Well, there's nothing more that we can um, know about her, is there? I can't think of anything that I want to know. Do you want to know anything more about her losing weight and her clothes and being fat? No, I don't care either. I don't care. Uh, if you go to Blue Ball Yard, says Anna... Uh, to see the old farm building. This is now part of the Stafford Hotel, which has a fascinating cellar, complete with tunnel under St James's Street with a history connecting it to the palace. My friend Frank. <laughs> uh, Leno is head concierge. will happily give you the guided tour and have a chilled glass of Prosecco while you're there in the American bar. Woo! How lovely. Oh, I like the cellar. See, there's always somebody listening to this this programme. Or she She now lives in... Uh, North Warnborough in Hampshire. She moved from Barnes after 30 years in London. How? Oh, that's fascinating. See, I love stuff like that. I know that uh, under, I think it's Berry Brothers and Rudd, at the bottom end of St James's, just by the palace, there are tunnels under there which house all their wines and everything else. And they go, I believe, to St James's Palace. And they would have been there since, what, the 1600s, I would have thought? How exciting. So the Stafford Hotel. I don't even know where the Stafford Hotel is. It's another hotel for me to... Uh, to find out about. I love... Do you know, every day is an education in this uh, in this capital city. Every time I'll open up a book and I'll read something. I was explaining to somebody who came in the, this building the other day about the electricity substation, which is in the middle of Leicester Square, and how just on one of the entrances in, on both sides, you lift up part of the pavement and there are stairs that go down to the electricity substation, which I think goes down about three floors or something like that. And that, I think, is quite interesting. I love stuff like that. I'm, I'm always interested in underground London. If you go along the embankment, uh, just literally past embankment tube, on the left-hand side, there's some gardens. And at the very end of the gardens, when you're sort of looking, standing with your back to the river, there's a big gate there. And a big stone gate. You can't miss it because it's the biggest thing in the gardens. And that was the water gate for a big house that stood right behind it. And you think, but the water gate is nowhere near the water. Aha, it was when it was built. The Thames was twice as wide as it is now. So in other words, what you're looking at here when you look at the Thames, imagine it doubled and that's why that water gate was there. So you could take your boat right up to the... St- I find it fascinating. I'm constantly looking around London going, wonder what that was, wonder what that was. And then you find out, you think, oh, that's really interesting. And so that's why I feel I have to tell you about these places. Because even, So then taxi drivers will do exactly the same. They'll be driving about London going, you see that building down there? Steve Allen told me. Although they won't, they won't credit me. They'll just, um, they'll just sort of go, that's uh, old stables dating from the late 1600s, incorporated into the hotel. I can't wait to go see them, actually. I'm definitely going to go and have a look. Uh, Jim Diamond died the other I got quite panicky. We have somebody here called Jim Diamond who works on our sister station. And uh, and I suddenly realised it was the Jim Diamond who wrote that Hi-Ho Silver. You know the one that was used for Boone on the television? Hi-Ho Silver, got me Lone Ranger. That one. Go, go and check him out on YouTube. It's a super song. I played it yesterday to myself. In fact, I, I sat on YouTube for a good hour 
just typing in things. Bit after bit after bit came up. And once you've got him, then I typed in a couple of Christmassy things, sorry, and I had to, uh, had to watch those as well. And then I got carried away with something. I just love YouTube. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Carol McGiffin, in her column today, uh, says, the only people I'm jealous of are all those who've seen the Northern Lights. I have, I have, I've seen the Northern Lights. I've seen the Aurora Borealis. She says, I once went, uh, went to Sweden at huge expense in the hope of seeing them, but they didn't grace me with their presence. And on Wednesday night, when I was boogieing down some live performances at David Guest, the time of my life concert, there they were, flashing over Northern England and Scotland. She said, to make it worse, I was in Inverness just last weekend and missed them by three days. Damn. Yes, I've seen the Aurora Borealis. Really super. Really, really super. Really amazing. Really something worth seeing. I was on the phone to a friend of mine. I'm looking at the Aurora Borealis. Uh, move over, kids, because uh, we've got another reality show. After Towie, Chelsea and Geordie, and I don't think anybody watched the Geordie one. It was full of such ghastly people. They're bad enough in Chelsea. Tarts, but with a posh accent. You know, and, uh, OK, uh, you know, like Spencer Matthews is sitting there doing his usual ageing Lothario bit. He really, every time I see him now, he reminds me so much of Di Llewellyn. Di Llewellyn, who just sort of turned into some fat, bloated old man who went round picking up women in clubs and sort of being, you know, like jolly old playboy kind of thing. Uh, he's not with us anymore now, so I can say that quite happily about him. He was just just a fat old man who went round picking up girls in clubs. <laughs> and, and I see Spencer Matthews heading the same way because he, he, he spins the same, like, you know, I really love you, you know, I really like you and I respect you. And then after he's been out with them and had what he wants, he then ditches them and goes for somebody else. And, of course, because all this posh totty is a bit thick... You've only got to hear their, their, their vacuous conversations to realise that they're not the brightest pennies. They might have had the best education, but when it comes to actually stringing a conversation together, all they can talk about is, like, you know, who you're actually going out with at the moment. Oh, God, did you go to that party? Oh, God, we had everything there. We even had Ritz crackers and everything. It was just super. And, and so people get very excited about it. So you watch them, but in fact, all they are is posh totty who hop in and out of be- beds. Bids? Some of them are bidding as well for the beds. Bidding for the beds. And, uh, and then you have some of them that disappear completely without trace, like ghastly Ollie Locke, who pitches up on the television. Suddenly, that's what a revolting character he is. Horrible. But that's why, that's why people watch them on the telly. You only watch somebody. If, if somebody was really nice, you don't want to watch them. Nobody wants to watch nice people on the television. You only want to watch horrid people. That's why all the people who survive on the I'm a Celebrity circuit uh, are the people who are just so awful. Because they've got to have some edge. Jane says the Stafford Hotel, Duke Street, is a lovely place. And um, another one here says, I've been listening to you by candlelight. As we've had a power cut down here in Bromley. Thank goodness I just made the cup of tea, hoping it will soon be put right. And thank goodness I keep a radio run by batteries. Isn't that exciting, though? When I was younger, we used to have, um, we used to have uh, power cuts. But they would tell you when they were. And they'd say, at six o'clock tonight, the power's going off. We had a... It was these... I, think, I can't remember why it was. Was it strikes or something? Anyway, whatever it was, the power would go off. And at the time, I had fairly long hair, which needed blow-drying. All right, somebody's got to do it. And you'd get halfway through, and, there'd be a, and then all of a sudden, it would just go click, and everything would go off. The television, the picture would die. All the lights go off, and you'd sit there for... Th- and you'd, there's nothing to do. So you used to have to have a torch handy and candles... So that at least you could sit... And there's nothing to do. You can't do anything. Because the television worked on the mains and there was no power. And it was, it was just truly dreadful. Anyway, so after Towie, Chelsea and Geordie, uh, they've got a new one. It's uh, a reality show about people who've actually lived a bit. It's called The Only Way is um, Bournemouth. Anyway, spray tans, false lashes and uh, wild nights are out, making way for Viagra, aqua aerobics and fish and chip dates. 
and and I'm assuming uh, they uh, they're all real people. Very odd. They say the only way Bournemouth is close to the edge. A six-part docu-soap set in the South Coast town, nicknamed God's Waiting Room. Uh, the first two episodes don't disappoint. We see comedian John, who is the hand of Sooty, get back on the dating scene after 40 years. He lost his wife six years ago. And uh, that sounds quite interesting, actually. So quite interesting. They're all in their sort of 60s and 70s. Because it, I thought, actually, I didn't think that Bournemouth was God's Waiting Room. I thought that that award went to Hastings. Hastings was God's waiting room. That's where you can sit in a bus shelter and you can have a jolly good chat with somebody. Because they've always got a story to tell. You'll find somebody elderly. It's very easy to strike up conversation with someone. I've discovered it. As I get a little bit older, and I'm, I'm obviously at that age now, where I can, I can have a conversation with anybody. I go to a garden centre yesterday and I'm buying candles, but they're crackling candles. Have you ever heard of such a thing? It's got a wooden wick. And as it burns down, it crackles so it sounds like a fire. And so I bought two of them, but they were different prices. And I said to the guy behind the counter, I said, I said, how much are they? And he said, well, this one's sixteen ninety nine, and this one's seventeen ninety nine. I said, why is it more expensive? He seemed horrified by the price. Is that a lot for a candle? Oh, good Lord, I pay £42 for my Jo Malo candles. I know you can get them in the pound shop, but I'm a bit, I'm a bit, yeah, they do smell nice, yeah. I, do, I like a scented candle. These are lime, basil and mandarin. And the ones I got the other day, one was, can't remember. And the other one was like vanilla pods and things like that. Would, would you not spend that much on a candle? I'd, yeah, it actually smelled like... I remember talking to somebody once. It might have been somebody here. Who was it? It was it was one of our presenters. And she said, you, actually, I think it was Carol McGiffin. When she was here, I'm sure she said to me, you spend how much on candles? And I said, oh, I, I think they're about £37 at the time. This was the Joe Malone much. She said, £37? I said, but it comes in a gift box. She said, gift box? What, you're burning the gift box? I went, no. She was horrified. Horrified that I would spend money like that. But um, I keep saying, I don't smoke. That's my answer to everything nowadays. I don't smoke, you know. So I can afford to do that every so often. I can't afford to do it all the time. Sometimes I go cheaper candles. Not much. But I don't, I mean, I don't exactly go through tons of candles. I can make a candle last about a month, which is... Can you hear that noise? Where's that coming from? Can you hear this, ladies and gentlemen? I've got a noise in here. Oh, God, don't tell me the spirit's in here. I couldn't cope with it. The spirit of Christo has lived on. Isn't that odd? It sound, sounds like... It sounds like water running. It, it sounds like water... It can't be. Don't tell me that... All of a sudden, there's going to be a small tsunami in the studio. I couldn't bear it. It's, uh... Oh, then something else happened there. <laughs> 14 to 7. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. God, that was a bit freaky, wasn't it? We suddenly realised what the uh, what the noise was, and so we've we've stopped it. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. That was very frightening, wasn't it? Even Collier Rose says I could hear that from here. You want to imagine how I felt sitting in the studio all of a sudden because I've got one side of my headphones on, as you know, because I'm a bit peculiar, and uh, and I could hear this gurgling away in the background. Tony says uh, perhaps that uh, more money than sense saying was made for you. You see, but I mean, I like nice things. I like nice things. I think and somebody said to me once, they said, it doesn't matter, does it? If you work for it and you've got it, why not spend it? What's the point? What's the point of putting it in the bank? I mean, I do put it in the bank as well. Sarah in Bushy says, my guilty pleasure. See, Joe Malone candles, lime, basil and mandarin. It's their signature scent. Actually, my other favourite is Joe Loves because Joe Malone got sold on to Estee Lauder and Joe Malone herself set up Joe Loves. They've only got one shop and they do this 
shower gel, which I've run out of, and they haven't had it back since. And I think it's Thai lime with mango. It's delicious. And they very kindly sent me a body lotion uh, in it, which is which is delicious. But I'm desperate for the shower gel. I'm so desperate for the shower gel. And I can't understand why they've not had it back in again. But I absolutely love things like that. But it is true that, I mean, you can go out. You can spend... Remember a while ago, probably about six months ago, we were talking about aftershaves. And Warren, my friend Warren, came up with a bottle of aftershave that costs more than £600. A bottle of aftershave? Well, see, I think that would be ridiculous. But I regularly spend £42, £50 on a bottle of aftershave because you get what you pay for. And if you buy a Joe Malone candle or you buy Penn Halligan's candle, you're buying something that's beautifully packaged. It's nice. It's nice. You can buy cheaper candles, but you can't buy lime, basil and mandarin. And that's why, you know, you're buying a particular scent. If you look at the uh, Yankee candles, their scent is impregnated all the way round. So obviously put a bit of wax in, impregnate, bit of wax in, impregnate. You can see it. As that when you take the lid off, you can see where the where the scent is actually coming from, and that's how theirs are done. Because you don't want just a quick smell of a candle; you want it all the way through, all the way through. So that's why. And um, I always think it's I think it's quite nice to buy something nice, and especially when if if you go to Joe Malone's, especially Joe Malone's, they do box their candles up. They come in a beautiful box with tissue paper. You know, you are paying for it. But I always think that's a waste, unless I'm giving them as gifts. So I don't bother with that. I just say, put them with some tissue in a, in a bag and I'll take them like that, which is easier. Uh, are you as peeved as me, Steve, about Camelot increasing the odds of winning the lotto jackpot? Uh, well, I would have been, James, had I not won a million pounds last night. Ha, 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 ha. And uh, he says, I'd be quite amazed if any lotto player asked for or even wanted this change. It's another way of getting more money out of us. Yes, I agree with you. It's now one in 45 million, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's one in 75 million for the Euro millions, but still a few people managed to win it. They say makes for bigger jackpots. I say it's a way of screwing more money out of us. <laughs> because that, that's, that's exactly what it is. That's what it's uh, designed for. Mickey reckons Eastbourne is God's waiting room. And Jane says, visit John Lobbs and James. See the lasts of many historical characters and order a pair of shoes for £2,000. Handmade, though, of course. Handmade. Uh, made in Chelsea is proof you don't have to be poor to be chav, says Tom. And... Um, uh, a lot of people tell me about the Stafford Hotel, which is very nice. Thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, and somebody else was talking about uh, Joanna Lumley. Uh, Anna says, your candles last a month. Mine last two days. Uh, what was the end of the story about the different prices for candles? Well, I mean, it's it's interestingly uh, that, you know, when you when you buy candles and you go out there. I mean, I've, I, I do spend a lot of time in garden centres and I do spend a lot of time sniffing candles and I can tell if the scent is just on the top or if, or if it's, you know, sort of down in the actual candle. I have, to, I have to discover whether it runs all the way through the candle or it's just on the top and I can generally tell by the make of them. And some of them, you, they do some in tins and I've opened them up and gone, some of them smell horrible. I don't know why they're there. And, uh, and Joe says, when you tell us how much you pay for things, you sound so chav, says him called Joe. You don't get a more chav name, do you, than Joe? Of course, you would associate with that. I, I bet you've still got prices on your furniture, haven't you? Have you still got prices on it? Have you got it covered in plastic? Is it in case you dribble? <laughs> Is it one of those things, you spill your soup? You know, you're sitting there. I used to have that thing. I used to have to sit there with sort of like a towel on my lap in case, because I could not balance soup on a tray, and you'd be dribbling all over the place. You'd say, oh, nothing worse than tomato soup everywhere. Go to Lidl for candles, says Sally. They're cheaper. Well, of course they are. It's Lidl. You know, of course. 
Of course they're cheaper. In, they, they, they'd be cheaper anywhere. I could probably find much, much cheaper candles. But I'm looking for candles with lime, basil and mandarin. And they don't do lime, basil and mandarin. They do in the markets, but there's a lot of fake Joe Malone stuff out there I've discovered. I only discovered that about a year ago. So at least I'm aware it's there, which is good. And um, Richard said, didn't Jim Diamond sing that irritating song, I Could Have Been Better? He might have done. I only know the hi-ho silver one. It's the only one I know. He was only 60-something, which, of course, nowadays is not, uh, not, very, uh, not very old at all, is it? It's quite young. Uh, Dan says, home now after another lovely night. Yeah, right. Off tonight. Very happy, Dan. I, think, I don't know what the weather's going to be. Didn't they say a little bit of rain later on? It's not so good, is it, for those people? Actually, no, that's probably good for running. That means you can pound the pavements when it's, uh, when it's a little bit wet, which is probably better for you, I should imagine. Uh, one from, uh, from Julie says, lovely day in Dorking with Janet. Spent the time walking around the shops there before we headed off to a Mamma Mia singing workshop that was fun. And I've now got a sore throat this morning. <laughs> Talking of candles, I treated myself to a Jo Malone candle. I got pomegranate noir and, yes, a gift box plus box of matches. Yeah, they're beautiful matches, aren't they? I think they're wonderful. I think they're absolutely lovely. Really nice. Uh, Robin from Battersea says, uh, Like You, Made in Chelsea to me is one of the most appalling shows going. They all live in Fulham anyway. Bunch of no marks with silly names like Grinky, Binky, Slinky, Kinky, Dinky. Hastings or Eastbourne is spot the under 65 year olds. Robin says, Oh God, give me strength. Well, Hastings, I mean, definitely. What do they say? Is it Harwich for the continent, Hastings for the incontinent, or something like that. That's, uh, that's, that's the way. I can't remember any of these sayings this morning. But I think that's quite a nice idea that you can find a bus stop to sit in. And, uh, and Dan says, it's your money, nobody else's business. Oh, yeah. Um, and it is, actually. It is, you know, and I think if you work for something... I love the way that people are sort of, you know, poor old Joe is obviously very jealous. You know, which is, that's why he wrote it in, because it's, it's okay for him going out and buying crackers for Christmas. He probably goes bar humbug. He's one of these people who just doesn't do Christmas or birthday presents. And so if it's, you'll hate a programme coming up on the television, it's a man who's even richer than God. This man has got so much money. He's taken hundreds of honeymoons. Uh, he's got houses all over the world. He's got super cars. He's got everything. He's got everything. And, and you think to yourself, well, it's his money. He can do with it what he wants. You know, Joe, of course, would hate him. Hello. And um, and that because you mustn't be jealous of people, though. If you work for something, then, you know, then you should reap the benefits of it afterwards. And if you do a radio programme, obviously, you know, people like to know what you do. Nice weather for running, says Dan. Running? Me? I think you know me better than that. My friend Jez is, uh, is running today. Bless him. He was going to have one of those um, massages the other day. He likes oud candles. O-U-D. He gave me one as a present. It was lovely. Actually, I did quite like it. But I still hark back to my lime, basil and mandarin. But uh, I'm determined to get Joe Loves to get this shower gel because I love a zingy shower gel in the morning. At the moment, I'm using Penhaligons. And it's a really thick... I know you can get cheap shower gels. But the trouble is, cheap shower gels tend to dry my skin out. And if there's one thing you want at my age, 39 plus fat, uh, is to have nice soft skin. Uh, another one here. Somebody says uh, the Huffington Post recently did an article on the possible toxic dangers of prolonged breathing of scented candles. Do you think at my age I'm going to be worrying about anything like that? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. So bad you have to watch it. Life in Marbs, says Jane. I can't watch. I don't like the crowd from Towie. I mean, to, you know, to be brutally honest, it is a bunch of real no marks. 
No munch. And uh, posh candles, TK Maxx or HomeSense cheaper, says Stuart in Basildon. I think we're getting the mark of it. And uh, and Joe, capital letters Joe, still plastic on the furniture, still under matron's guidance, says, of course, Stephen is so upper class. I think Stephen is, actually, on the feast of Stephen. I got my own feast. I don't remember that ever being on the feast of Joe. I don't think so, which stands for Joseph. And we know what you did. Uh, another one here says, uh, no matter how much I try, says James, I can't picture you in a pound store. A £50 store, yes, but a pound store. Be like Dracula on a sunny day. Yeah, I mean, I have been in Poundland. I have been. I buy um, uh, bulbs in there, uh, you know, like light bulbs. But I have been in a Poundland. I try not to tell people, you know, don't people to sort of think that I've gone down market or something like that. But they're actually very good for certain things. Not many in my household, it has to be said, but uh, but still some nice things anyway. You all right this morning? Oh, yeah. God, you look rough. Coming up to the uh, the news at 7 on LBC. It's running day. <sighs> I would have done it. Seriously, if I'd had the time, I would have got out there and pounded the pavements. But, uh, frankly, I haven't got the time. I'm going to tell you how much your Christmas hamper is worth. One of the papers has done it. It's a great story. Uh, Rita Ora slams Louis Walsh for having a dig at Nick Grimshaw. He doesn't really contribute much to it, though. He's only a disc jockey. You know, he doesn't make any records or anything like that. Amy um, Childs has finally got rid of boyfriend Brad after he sent a naked picture of himself to this girl. The credit cards with 30% interest in store. Warwick Davis's fury. Somebody's nicked his caravan down in Cambridge. Apparently, please say, it happens quite a lot. Hmm, how to think. Who would pinch a caravan? Not the easiest things to pinch, are they? News at 7, though, is coming up. I'm Steve Allen. It's early breakfast. On FM. Online on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Sunday, the 11th of October. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. This is what everybody wakes up for. They want to see what we can annihilate in the Sunday papers. And this morning, the ex-snooker champ who's gone bust, owing three and a half million quid. These people carry on spending. The dancers, can't speak this morning, the dancers, silenced by the beeb. The credit card with 30% interest in store. How much is your Christmas hamper really worth? Warwick Davis has had his caravan nicked. Now, who would nick a caravan, I ask myself? Not my next-door neighbours, not anybody I know. What sort of people want to nick a caravan? Molly King's going to release a solo record. Please don't, dear, please don't. It's very embarrassing. And Britain's flashiest couple on their fabulous lifestyle. I kind of have a kinship with them, as you can well imagine. I bet they don't buy Joe Malone candles at 42 quid apiece. <laughs> they buy the big one, because they do a big candle, actually, which is about £400. And it's got four wicks in it. And I've never bought one of those yet. I think I might today. See how I feel. Wendy says, you'll love the Woodwick candles. Yeah, I had them um, uh, last year. I thought they were terribly expensive. I bought a few on uh, Amazon. So now I've found another outlet for them. And they do crackle. And I, I, I like the, uh, the crackling effect. Alan says, in conversation, very good. Chris Tarrant and Joanna Lumley, very good. Brilliant. Brilliant, as always. And uh, next week... What am I doing next week? Oh, um... um Alan Partridge is coming in next week. Massive fan, you massive fan. There's a book. There's a book. There's an autobiography. So he's coming in on Tuesday. I think he's doing my friend Moyless, Moyless's show. And uh, and then he's coming to... 
Is that how you pronounce it? And he's then uh, then he's coming in to see me as well. So he might be might be slightly shell shocked. I suspect. Oh dear! Don't ask me about the rugby. Really, I, I lose the will to live. Lose the will to live on the rugby. Uh, so what were we going to take from the? I love Terry Christian. He's ever so funny. They're only using him because there's nobody else available, and he puts himself down as TV and radio presenter. I think that's terribly misleading, actually, Terry. I think Terry Christian, TV and radio guest. I don't think you're actually presenting anything at the moment, are you, Sweet Pea? And your little, you know, other radio thing, that was just as a guest. So, TV and radio, guest. You're not a presenter, are you? Not anymore. That was in your previous career, which I'm sure was terribly successful. Uh, The Sun on Sunday. Let's quickly whiz through what you can expect today. First of all, Caroline Flack has talked about Prince Harry and me. Oh, God, poor Prince. I think we need to send sympathy cards to Prince Harry. I'm so sorry, uh, Harry, that she sold you down the river by selling this story. Terribly tedious, but she doesn't really have anything else going for her. But she does apparently fancy Ollie Murs. Look out, Ollie Murs. I did predict that would be on the cards, didn't I? I did predict. And, um... Oh, Peter Andre and the I'm Not Vain story. Hilarious, Pizzi. Really hilarious. That's so funny. Nobody believes you, of course, um, because we know exactly what you're like. You're the person who, if they were a lollipop, you'd have eaten yourself by now. Uh, guess who's back in the fold again? Yes, Sally the Burke. Uh, Sally the Burke has patched up with, with John, the not-so-tall man, the common speaker, and so she's moved back into his lavish Westminster home. They're living as a couple again as they kissed and made up. It's hilarious, isn't it? She goes off and sleeps... With um, with uh, with John's cousin Alan, who then returned to his wife. It's all slightly tacky and a bit dirty, but uh, anyway, she's gone back again. So he perhaps we've seen the last of her because she was an embarrassment all the way round uh, as well. Flirty Harry. This is what Caroline Flack said. My God, she's airbrushed in this picture. She's um, you know seriously. I mean, I, I mean that. She talks about her crush on Ollie. She's just a bit tacky because she's not very good. And I suppose if you're not very good on something, you have to kind of. You have to kind of make up for it in other ways, don't you? And I suppose a trick pelvis is always useful. Uh, also, the I'm a Celeb Geordie. Start the showers, they've said. Geordie Shaw's Vicky Patterson is heading to the jungle. Listen, listen to the, the write-up here. This is from the deputy head of showbiz, Stuart Pink. He says the reality star, 27, has signed up for the I'm a Celeb new series. Bosses hope, 32D, Vicky... We'll follow Helen Flanagan and Mylene Class by stripping for a bikini soaking. Stuart Pink, it's almost guaranteed she will. OK? It's guaranteed she will at some point be taking a shower in a bikini. OK? Just don't want to excite you, as you are any deputy head of show business. Obviously not. Thank God, isn't it? Isn't that great? Thank God she's going to take her clothes off at long last. Oh! God, what has it been now? 24 hours since she last took them off. Oh, thank goodness for that. I'm so grateful. Apparently, Vicky got in some practice on holiday in Mexico. What, standing under a shower? How dirty is this girl? I mean, what do you mean she got in some practice? I mean, I stood under my shower this morning, and I did the same thing. Now, I don't want to try and recreate the scene. I stood there, I pulled myself up to my full height, five foot six, and, and I put my hands behind my head, and I let the water cascade over my body. OK, get the picture? I think I might go and do it now, actually. I'm kind of getting into it. As the, as the water cascaded off my body and shot into the wall the other side, I then drenched myself with ultra-thick shower gel, which also ran down my legs. There you go. That's the image. So she's getting in some practice in Mexico. In other words, she's gone out there with a photographer who said, can we get a picture of you standing under a shower? The trouble is, fine, but don't open your mouth. 
because she's she's northern. And you know what they're like, ee, ah, ooh, ooh, ee, ee, oh, whip it, and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be very, very dreary. Very, very dreary indeed. But, but she will be standing in a bikini, if indeed she's signed up. They might have made that story up. You never know. Because, to be honest with you, they're all going to be putting it forward, aren't they? They've said, oh, Gemma Collins is going out there. And you think, oh, God, not again. Waste of time, first time around. Uh, another one here as we try and weave in everything on the programme this morning. Uh, Prince Harry doesn't appear to have many women who seem particularly interested. Well, they like selling the um, the stories. And I feel a bit disappointed in Caroline Flack. I, I put her down as being a little bit better, not much better. So, you know, for, for to sort of, her to sell a story about her and Harry it really means she's scraped the barrel. You don't get any lower than that when you sell a story. Uh, I've just ordered the Joe Malone lime, basil and mandarin candle, says Fred and Wickham. Can't wait to try it. Your view on that Yankee candles? Quite nice if you can peel the label off. I like them. They do a, they do a very nice Yankee candle, which is, I think it's burnt cinnamon. It smells like toffee. It's delicious. I'm, I'm the only person who likes it in my family. Nobody else likes it. Somebody says, was there such a person as Joe Malone? Of course there is. That's why it's called Joe Malone. It's made up or something, like Fred Bloggs. No, the, Joe Malone exists. That's why she called her company after herself, Joe Malone. Like me calling a company Steve Allen, but I don't make candles. Uh, if Warwick's caravan is fitted out for his size, it'll be a bit useless, says Wendy and Farber, for anybody else. Yes, you can't imagine the sort of person who ever pinch a caravan. I've never heard of such a thing. Put, oh, wait a minute. Yes, I have. And they, and they sort of disappear, never to be seen again. You'd think they'd be quite easy to find, wouldn't you? Depends how you hide them among the trees, I suppose. But, uh, you know, they'll be down there somewhere. And uh, one of my horizontal listeners is Hannah in Huddersfield. God, you poor soul. Honestly, get out while you're alive. Get out. Get out. Flee for the hills. She says, uh, Joe Malone's Lime Basil and Mandarin Candles from John Lewis, 280. Yeah, that's for the big uh, round one, which is, I mean, I've never actually bought anything that ex- I couldn't spend 280 quid on a candle. But just to wind up Joe today, I think I might. <laughs> <laughs> Might buy two, actually. No, to hell with it. Ten. Ten, I shall buy ten. Why not? <laughs> Luckily, we're all laughing at you as opposed to with you today. Uh, Colin says Joe would nick a caravan. Oh, he probably probably lives in one, I should imagine. <laughs> Bless his heart. He sounds like he does. I had a cracking candle for my birthday. Lovely present. Yeah, they're, they're very good, actually. Uh, saw the people, says Julie, from the only ways Bournemouth on TV. Right old cougars. Really? Oh, well, I'd, I'd quite like the programme then. <laughs> I like things like that. Um, and then uh, Jim and Kate in Overcast Brighton say, Alan Partridge coming in, we thought we were already listening to. Uh, sensational. Yeah, you certainly are this morning. It's a big good morning for me. Steve Allen on LBC. It's uh, Sunday, uh, 11th of October. You having a good day? Here comes uh, Jim... Oh, sorry, I forgot where I was. <laughs> Can you let slip the results, says Mary, of Strictly Come Dancing again? Actually, nobody's written in to me with who, who was out last night. Don't worry, they will. Guaranteed by the end of the programme. Guaranteed. Somebody would have written in saying, guess who was kicked out of Strictly the other evening? Uh, Noreen was telling me about the shows. Do you know she goes to these uh, solid 60s shows of all these uh, artists? And here is a list of who is touring. OK, you've got to be over the age of 35 to know these people. OK, so we get a hands up from you if, if, if you know them. Chip Hawk. Okay, he was in the Tremolos. Okay, you've heard of the Tremolos, good. Brian Poole, you've heard of Brian Poole, good. Uh, Badfinger, 
Yeah. I can't, what was their big hit that? Is it if you want it, come and get da 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 you better hurry. Is that bad finger? Come and get it or something. They were a little bit blatant in those days. The Trogs. Wild thing. <laughs> the Ivy League. Didn't they do one called Tossing and Turning? That was always my favourite. Uh, the Pacemakers, Jerry and, but it's not Jerry, it's the Pacemakers. And with, with Pacemakers now. And there's a sensational 60s tour, Herman's Hermits. No milk today, my lover's gone away. Chris Farlow, you're out of touch, my baby. My poor old-fashioned... Steve Ellis. The sun always shines down on my Rainbow Valley. Don't look at me like that. Honestly, I've done my best. I've bought a watchtower. I've been to church. I've been a nice boy. I've stood in the shower and done an impression of Mylene class. The Union Gap. Young girl... Get out of my mind. My love for you is way out of... Am I facing the right way or something? What is going on here? You must have heard of them. The new... The new... It's the singing. Yes. The singing, not the best. Listen, if I had reverb and a bit of auto-tune, I'd be in the charts by now. Uh, Amen Corner. Bend me, shape me. Uh, and Herman Hermit's dates as well. Uh, also, Sweet. Now, they don't have a lead singer because Brian Connolly died. Sorry? Blockbuster, that's it, well done. Or Little Willy, Willy won't go home. Remember that one, Little Willy? I always thought of you. Uh, Mud 2. Mud 2. Because <laughs> Les Gray died as well. They were very good as well, weren't they? And the Rubettes. Sugar baby love, sugar baby. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a Mud 2 site. There's also Peter Noon, the Mersey Beats, Dave Berry, Brian Highland... New MN Corner Tour. Look at Peter. She sent me all these links to all these... I mean, she's... Also, the Bootleg Beatles. They're really good. They're really good. Those and the... Um, and the, uh, the Rolling Stones ones. Very good indeed. But the Bootleg Beatles, it's a new lineup Because a friend of mine owns them. And he recasts them. But they're brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, Marmalade. And the Swinging Blue Jeans. Is Alan Price still alive? I thought of this the other day. As I turn on the television and I watch Georgie Fame singing... Do you see Alan Price? Really? Oh, well, he's brilliant, isn't he? Simon Smith, is it? Yeah. And da, 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 da. I won't bother singing to you this morning. There's no point in depressing yourself. You might have just tuned in LBC wondering what the Dickens is going on, actually. I was just recreating some of those fabulous sounds from the 60s for you this morning here at LBC. And uh, it's, uh, I must tell you, my friend Beverly Turner. Oh, Bev will be up a little bit later on this morning. We had a long chat the other day. I forget what it was, actually. I think I was standing on a toe or something, anyway. So we had a long, long chat about... I don't know what it was about, actually. I can't remember. She's always a bit too glam for me on a Sunday morning. I prefer these sort of the shambles of, of, uh, of Stig. He sort of, <laughs> he sort of wanders in, looking like he sort of climbed out of bed, straight into his clothes, and then wanders in, which I like. I like that as well. Uh, listening from, uh, from India... Feels very strange listening to it at 11.25, Steve, to hear a familiar voice in a foreign country. Yes, I, well, it must be, I suppose you've downloaded the app, haven't you? You must have downloaded the LBC app. And uh, here's the shower gel, the lime basil. No, it's not the lime basil and mandarin shower gel. I know I can get that. I want the Joe Loves, which is a rather company. And this is lime with... I'm doing a break. This is a 
mandarin, no, lime with a twist of mango. I think it's delicious, really is. It's nearly quarter part, well, it's just gone quarter part. Nick Ferrari at breakfast on LBC. Boris Johnson, London Mayor, asking Britain's most senior policeman, Sir Bernard Hogan, how to explain the, quote, completely unacceptable delay in telling the widow of Lord Britain that he had been cleared of a rape allegation. Let's turn to Ken MacDonald, now Lord MacDonald, former Director of Public Prosecutions, who joins me now. They should now apologise. Um, I think they should apologise profusely, and I think they should apologise to his family, and I think they should apologise publicly. Free Airbnb-style website matching refugees with potential hosts. You're taking the word of some Greek or Turkish charity who say, yeah, Nick Ferrari, yeah, we checked him out, he's fine. Oh, OK, great, put him in the back bedroom. And then he's, 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 he's putting Semtex in the middle of the night. What's that strange smell? That's, that's bloody Nick boiling up the Semtex again. I warned him about that. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from 7. Only on LBC. Morning, everybody. 22 minutes past seven Sunday morning. Phil says, I thought Eastbourne was God's waiting room. Maybe it's moved down the beach. And Simon says, Dawn Ward. This is where uh, Gemma the Hutt uh, met her latest man that she swapped phone numbers with, who's a convicted drug dealer and, uh, and assaulter of a young boy. Apparently, Dawn Ward was in The Real Housewives of Cheshire. Ghastly programme. Alice in Manchester. Uh, sorry, Alice McMaster. I do beg your pardon. I don't know why I put you in Manchester. Says, I used to watch Ideal World. Not now, Sally. Jack has put me right off. And it was Mr Chris who said that Dawn Ward was one of The Real Housewives of Cheshire. Ghastly. Ghastly programme. Not at all a patch on the American one, is it? Um, uh, Reese says... You're talking about celebrities. Do you ever re- regard yourself as some sort of celebrity? I'm going to use a well, a well-fashioned uh, line for you, Reese, which is I've written a book. I don't think I've ever mentioned it, but uh, it's called "So You Want to Be a Celebrity," and the opening line is, "I am not, never have been, or ever will be a celebrity. I'm a radio presenter." You know, if I don't, I, I don't. You could ever class a radio presenter, unless they've done television as well, as a celebrity. So uh, the answer is to your question. No, I do not think I'm a celebrity. Uh, I mean, there are people that I work with who probably think they're celebrities, but I'm just somebody on the radio. So it's not, um, it's, it's certainly nothing to do with being a celebrity. The book will explain it all, he says, hopefully. <laughs> Trying to sell another copy. Um, um, uh, Manjula says, I love candles. We like them for uh, Diwali. Not the perfumed ones. They're lovely, but costly. Yeah, I mean, I use, I use tea lights as well. I've got big fat tea lights. Have you bought the big ones, which are, which are double size? Just me again. Obviously facing the wrong way on this programme this morning. I, I feel like I've wandered onto stage, but in fact I'm facing the back wall. <laughs> All this candle talk, says Matt. Well, you've got to, haven't you? And uh, somebody here says, I'm listening from gorgeous Limassol, eating my breakfast. Limassol. Where's Limassol? Where's Limassol? Do we know where Limassol? I should, th- I should think Limassol was an embrication. I should think you used to rub it on your body. You getting that image of me in the shower again this morning? Yes. Standing there. Brrr, take that away. Make it stop. Make it stop. Uh, more of your texts and uh, emails. 84850 Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Michael Dennis, the Black Cab Poet, says uh, two great in conversations. Chris Tarrant wanting me to watch his journey. And Joanna Lumley, just pure class. Oh, that voice to die for. That voice to die for. And um, I see that Lee Mead. I wonder if he's running today. He might be, actually. He says porridge. Lots of people are running today. And it's um, it's a run that takes you around Trafalgar Square, the Mall. I think it's uh, Green Park, St. James's Park. So it won't disrupt the traffic that much, much. 
It will. It will disrupt the traffic. So that's why if you're heading into this area, don't. Okay, false economy, says Robin in Batasi to buy cheap candles in it. Really cheap scented candles smell revolting. Yes, they do. He says, oh, and more of London shut for runners who want to ruin their ankles pounding the pavements. Well, I have to defend them, Robin, for today, only because I'm sponsoring one of them. Because he's running for make some noise, so I want him to uh, make lots of... He's, he, could make, he could make about two grand, which I think is, uh, is a very nice amount of money. Uh, Mark says, do you remember The More I See You by Chris Montez? The more I see you, the more I want you... That one, do you remember Chris Montez? I tell you, I used to like... Uh, who was the one that did, You're out of touch, my baby, my poor old-fashioned baby? I said, oh, Chris Farlow was out of time. You're out of time. Remember, out of time. Baby, 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 you're out of time. How old are you? Don't, how come you remember some of them, but you don't remember 28? Are you really? Oh, similar to me. Similar to me. And uh, the, bank, uh, the, the band union Gap was fronted by Gary... It was, it was uh, Gary Puckett and the union Gap. And he's still touring in America. Still touring. You don't remember the Union Gap? Don't you remember that song, Young Girl? He also had another song, uh, another hit called Woman. Woman. Well, it went like that. <laughs> That's as, as far as I get. <laughs> I don't want to sing the rest of it. It's embarrassing for, for you know, people who can't sing out there. You know, turn on, turn on the radio and discover somebody who can not only string two words together, but sing at the same time. Jez is off to the park. He says, wish me luck and stop singing. Well, put it this way, if you don't do it, you don't get the money. So it's as simple as that. I don't want to be cruel about this, but I uh, hope you've got your embrication on. Don't catch cold out there. It's a bit chilly this morning. Only a little bit. Nothing too much to worry. And I will be thinking about you. Nope, forgot about you already. There you go. How cool was that? I like, I like to be a generous person. Uh, uh, Alan Price, still alive and kicking, and can be seen playing golf regularly at the Richmond Golf Club says James. Oh, I'm pleased about that. I am pleased, genuinely pleased about that. I don't like it when I sort of mention somebody on the programme and they go, actually, they, uh, they sort of passed on, uh, which is not good. Uh, did you hear about the glass bridge in China cracking under tourists' feet? And then I thought about you talking about that glass swimming pool, says Amy. Do you remember that glass swimming pool which is strung between two buildings in London? And I looked at it and I thought, nothing on God's earth would get me to, to swim across. And you look down and there's a drop of however much it is. But they had a glass bridge. Abroad. They've got a similar one over the Grand Canyon. And it, it's called the Walk of Death or something like that. Because if it breaks, you will. And, and you walk round there. And I can only liken it to years ago. Going to Blackpool, only the once, only the once, never again, never again. And I went to visit my hubcaps, actually, so that was the reason I went up there, because I thought somebody up there would have stolen them. And, um, and we went up the Blackpool Tower, which reminds me of another joke I can't do this morning. And we were, we were up the Blackpool Tower, and at the very top of it, they've got a piece of glass. And you can stand on it, and you look straight down the middle of it. And the glass is probably about, you know, three inches thick. Whatever it is, an elephant could stand up to be safe. There is this boy and his girlfriend up there, and she is sobbing uncontrollably. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I thought, you're only standing on a piece of glass. She wouldn't... He was trying to drag her onto it. I wanted to pull her onto it as well and super glue her feet to it. So she'd have to stand there all day, such as the mercenary side of Steve Allen coming out. But in the end, we all, I couldn't stop laughing. She was in such a terrible state. Then I suddenly realised, wait a minute, you don't do heights either, Steve. You don't do heights. So, uh, so I, I, I then stopped uh, laughing. Uh, Patsy says, delighted you've discovered Josh Groban. I will actually not only just discovered. I rediscover him every so often. I've got lots of, uh, of Josh albums. He's, he's got a beautiful voice. He's singing 
the song from this new film, The Choir, with Dustin Hoffman, which I recommended the other day. I bought it, and I thought it's a really, really good film. I thought it was good. And then, over the closing credits, Josh Groban sings this song, which is on YouTube. It's lovely. Just type in Josh Groban, The Choir. Uh, she's going to see him, this is Patsy, uh, in December. I think he's brilliant. Very underestimated, I'm quite sure. Do you remember Ray Conniff? I remember Ray Conniff. For years I used to play at Christmas time Jolly Old St Nicholas from his Christmas album. So um, I love that. Um, another one here. And uh, Jan says, I've just seen a posting by Christo on Facebook. Oh, don't read his postings. The ramblings of a delusional Greek bloke with a shredded wheat on his head. Seriously. But uh, she says he was getting depressed reading about the mental health awareness. And uh, he says... I wonder why I'm single. Oh, he's fine. He's absolutely fine, believe you me. He, does, he, he gets into this thing about he's single every so often. I was surprised this morning he doesn't weave my name into it because um, he, he's trying to associate with me and I don't want to do it. You know, I think it's easier to let him, you know, be by himself. He's happy. He's also got dogs now. He's got two dogs who he freely admitted last week he didn't like. Now he likes the dogs. It's funny, I think people buy dogs and they go, oh, I don't want them. And then you, then you kind of get to like them. A bit like pussycats, aren't they? Look, it's 7th... Steve Allen on LBC. Good luck if you're running today. Running for uh, leukaemia is uh, Sarah. She's doing the Parks Run today. And uh, Marion in Cambridge says, uh, what a great voice you have. I think it's a career move. What do you reckon? I could be. Listen, I tell you, if Jerry Halliwell can put herself into the charts, there must be a hope for Steve Allen. The Steve Allen Christmas album. Steve Allen sings the hits. Steve Allen does your favourite tunes from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s and the 90s. I could do loads of stuff. Heard Alid Jones doing stuff the other day. Did you hear him on Capital Extra? He was, he was Alid Jones. Mind you, I've always thought Alid was versatile. I only have to look at him to realise he looks versatile to me. He could sing things like that. Uh, we saw Chris Farlow a few years ago and his voice was still good. Marmalade is still great too. So, uh, yes, I mean, I, I just, you know, you, you know that we all grew up with this, uh, this 60s stuff. And uh, Noreen says, we're off to Blackpool soon. Ooh, lovely. Nice. Enjoy yourself. No, she's been before. And uh, those stars in their 70s could show some of the younger ones a thing or two. We love our concerts. She says, do look at their website. I will do. I shall, I shall do that a little bit later on. And, uh, and Julie says, please, please don't read out the Strictly Come Dancing results. Looking forward to... I don't, well, nobody sent them in so far, so obviously we didn't have anybody who was in the audience this week, so we don't know. Uh, Debbie is going to a Children with Cancer Ball at the Grosvenor Hotel next month, and the Bootleg Beatles are the main entertainment. You'll love them. You'll love them. Seriously, they are absolutely brilliant. It depends, it depends if they're doing the full show or the, uh, the cut-down version. The full show, they do... The Beatles with their uh, mod suits on. And the second half is Sergeant Pepper, complete with brass. Set. They're brilliant. I mean, seriously brilliant. Seriously, I defy anybody to tell the difference between them and the real thing. Really. Uh, so Kerry Katona uh, was telling Closer magazine this week. I had to have a good old laugh, you know, how much in love she was with her, uh, her husband, uh, George Kay, and how they were going to have their vows renewed. And then, of course, he fired a taser at her and uh, she's filed for divorce. Now it turns out that he, he uh, pursued a Russian model in a series of desperate tweets. So claim pals. Uh, this revelation will be another devastating blow to uh, Atomic Kitten star Kerry, 35, who said to have no, sorry, no idea about what was going on. So they've got a picture of this, this Russian model. And um, uh, she's an international catwalk model. 
I don't think she is. Not looking by the picture she's got here, standing there in a bikini and her little little pants. That's not a catwalk model. Catwalk models do not look like this. This looks like cheap glamour. This is cheap Russian glamour here. She has a one-year-old daughter by her ex, a rapper called Timati. Apparently, uh, George has contacted her via Twitter. She's got 610,000 followers. He's referred to her as Darling, but the pair have uh, never met, and there's no suggestion of any romance. She's certainly not catwalk model. They don't look like this. Catwalk models do not look like this. This is lingerie model. This is, this is sort of cheaper end of the market. Catwalk model's completely different. Completely different. Believe you me, I know. I know. Uh, why did I save this one here? I can't remember, actually. There was all sorts of things. Oh, um, there's a, a big feature on Britain's flashiest couple. Here you go, Joe. You'll love this couple. You must write into them. They'd like you. They live in a 47-bed castle. They've had 100 honeymoons. Uh, he's got this place called Ingress Abbey in Kent. He says, our kids are very ordinary. They once went on a bus and they loved it. So they bought them that. Uh, she's got uh, Hermes handbags. Uh, he's got loads of other cars. He can't remember which ones they all are. Phantom, Bentley Continental, Cadillac DeVille, Lincoln Continental. Um, they have uh, suites at the Palace in Dubai, 500 quid a night. Oh dear, really cheap. Let themselves down there. £500 a night. I stayed in a suite in a hotel in... I can't tell you where it was. I didn't pay for it. It was uh, complimentary. And it was £3,500 if you wanted to pay for it. So if they're in a £500 one, they're really the cheap end of the market. And to go on television and say that they have a fabulous lifestyle, I think they're possibly both very, very insecure. And that's why. Because, you know, to tell us about the, uh, the, the cars, the property... They've got property in British Columbia. On earth for? Why would you want to live there? Property in Madagascar. They've got a Scottish castle in East Lothian worth a quarter of a million, and a house in the Cameroon, 136 grand. And so they're on to, he's apparently something to do with oil. He's an oil tycoon. And they live in this 1.6 million pound, 47 bedroom Ingress Abbey. Oh, cheap. 1.6 million. I went on to Knight Frank's website, uh, website the other day, because I, I always like to type in, and you can do it yourself, it's amazing fun, Central London. The most expensive property that they've got at the moment is 55 million. OK, this is for a house in St John's Wood. And what you do is you, you, you click onto it and then you can have a tour through the rooms. It's beautiful. The rooms are stunning. Quite clearly, they've not been down to any of those DIY superstores and put up flock wallpaper. This is really the pucker stuff. Hand-painted wallpapers. I should imagine the, uh, the internal furnishings alone were in excess of a million pounds. Easily. And, uh, and so this richest man here, being very flash, we live in a £1.6 million place peasant heavens above there's a flat down the road from here it was 140 million for the flat and you're living in 1.6 million peasant you know what 142 million and you're 1.6 million i could find you places in twickenham that cost more than that 1.6 million peasant you know this <laughs> it just there's, you know, the further out of london you go the more you get for your money but you know what's the point of having 46 rooms only costing 1.6 million peasant you know it's ridiculous that wouldn't even buy the maids quarters in some of these flats in london the prices have gone mad absolutely through the roof absolutely through the roof i mean even round my way little old twickers what have we got a little bit of rugby occasionally uh, but we don't talk about that you know a two-bedroom flat in twickenham with parking or without parking, it depends where you buy, is half a million pounds. That's what they're starting at, half a million quid. They're converting 60s and 70s office blocks now to sell as flats. There was uh, some, um, uh, some office space above Lloyds Bank 
in the high street and they converted it into 14 flats. OK, and and they're very nice. It's literally a sitting room with a kitchen in it. The middle bit is the bathroom and then the bedroom is at the back. And for that, they're charging £380,000. And they're, they're, they're nicely done. Don't get me wrong. They're really nicely done. But uh, they, they put in an application, as do a lot of people nowadays. Be very careful when you buy a flat. If you think you bought top floor, check your lease. Because these people bought at the top. The company that uh, that sold them have now applied to put an extra four flats on top of the building. So they've got objections from the people who live there, going, wait a minute, we thought we lived at the top. We're going to have people above us. Yes, you are. Go round Regent's Park, you'll see lots of blocks of flats, which you could tell what they look like, and then all of a sudden they've built on top of them to give somebody the penthouse so they can make an extra few million. And these ones are going on top. I have no doubt in my mind that it will actually go go through because that's what people want nowadays, isn't it? People want... Sorry. So I have to, hit, have to hit the screen every so often. It's not moving. It's moving now. OK. I'm not a violent person. <laughs> Traditionally, I'm not a violent person. But uh, that's what they do now. So always check. If you think that you bought a flat at the top of a building, check they're not going to build on top of that. And uh, looked up at the choir on YouTube... Says Richard, never heard of Josh Groban before. Isn't it the most beautiful song? Isn't it the most, be- it's the most beautiful song? I've heard some lovely songs, but that's, uh, that's great. Molten Brown, black peppercorn shower gel, says Tony. I don't like the idea of peppercorn. I'm, 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 I don't, I'm, um, no, no. I saw them selling it on QVC the other day, and I thought black peppercorn. I'm not really sure, actually. And uh, according to the internet, so, uh, oh, right, so interesting. So I now know who actually went out of, uh, of Strictly. Would you like me to tell you? No, you don't want me to tell you, do you? I shan't tell you. I should be a good boy today. Only today, though, next week, I'm going to tell you. Uh, who's coming up with, uh, with Stig? Uh, looking at the, uh, the papers today, is that Angela Levin, I think? She's coming in to do the papers with, uh, with Stig. Uh, also, they're going to be talking about sexual abuse. This story rumbles on, these... Uh, and I think it was done yesterday uh, when they were talking about it on the breakfast show then. And they were talking about these uh, allegations about the VIP sex scandal and everything else. And I thought that Andrew Pierce had a guest on who said he didn't believe a word of it, didn't believe a word of it. The bloke has now sort of since admitted that some of it was made up which is not so good. They're going to be looking at the situation in Turkey. 86 dead after that bomb massacre, a pro-Kurdish peace rally. Over 100 people were injured, but 86 people. You can see it on the television. Absolutely dreadful. And uh, looking at mental health and the NHS deficit. That and more with Stig Abel. After the news this morning, but it's Steve Allen until 8. We'll run through some of the other stories in a moment, including... I did love that story. I don't know how it ever happened that an ex-soldier puts a bet on of 25 pence and ends up with 14 million pounds. 25... I mean, I'm assuming it's an accumulator or something. I mean, you can't just put 25 pence on and win that much, can you? He did. He did. Uh, Also, Gino DeCampo says he boozes too much while filming Celebrity Juice. Who surprised me? I thought the whole programme, everybody was sober in it. Told me something I didn't know there at all. And um, axed former Strictly star James Jordan. Good God, you're not still going, are you? I thought his career had finished ages ago. Says that the show's dancers are being silenced by the controlling bosses. He also, they they call him the twinkle-toed big mouth. 
ghastly person, horrible when he was on the uh, television, slammed the judges for inconsistent marking, moaned that too many of the celebs have dance training, vowed he won't return while the show is too chit. They don't want you, dear. They really don't want you. <laughs> Nobody wants you. It's a bit embarrassing, really. That's the best you can get, isn't it, now? Sort of moaning about something that you're nothing to do with. Mind you, with a bit of luck, perhaps your, uh, perhaps your wife will disappear soon. We can lose two of you at the same time. Uh, on the subject of uh, Strictly, Patsy says either... No, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. But you're wrong, actually, on both of those. And uh, guess what? Celebrity Big Brother winner James Hill has the hots for... Tell you after this. Coming up at 8 on LBC, Stig Abel. It's been a week full of claims that police have been too quick to believe non-credible evidence of paedophilia within the British establishment. Has there been a Tory witch hunt or are we still letting victims be silent? Leading Britain's conversation, Stig Abel. This morning from 8 on LBC. And Stig will be along with you in uh, around about 12 minutes' time, 12, 13 minutes' time. So, who has got the hots for who? James Hill has the hots at the moment. He was the Celebrity Big Brother winner, trying to drag out his uh, five seconds of fame. Yes, he would love to go out and, uh, and share time with Jess Wright. I think, actually, James, you'd be a little bit disappointed. The conversation is, is not the greatest. She's not, she's not the most articulate person you've ever been out with, but uh, you won't have any trouble pulling her. She's, uh, she loves publicity. Loves, but guess what's, guess what's on eBay? There is something on eBay which even I think is particularly bad. I think it's particularly bad. It's a lock of hair said to have come from Princess Diana. I mean, I, when I first saw it, I thought, it is a joke, isn't it? It is a joke. And this, the seller, David Hamilton, says the strands were taken from a book signed by the royal two years before her death... Inside, Diana is said to have taped the hair alongside the inscription, My Lock, Diana 1995. Monarchists are horrified. I mean, I'm fairly horrified myself. A British monarchist society spokesman said, The sale of modern royal hair makes us feel uneasy. You see, it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? And when I first read this, I thought that would be awful. Imagine if this was a lock of hair of, say, Mary Queen of Scots. Or Anne Boleyn. You'd be going, look, we've actually got a piece of hair of Anne Boleyn. I think that the Museum of London claimed to have the shirt worn by Charles when he was executed in Whitehall. And they say these dark stains on are the blood. And you think, that's fantastic. And so, but because it's Diana, we've gone, ooh, not sure about that. And yet, if it was Mary Queen of Scots, if it was Anne Boleyn, if it was any one of those royals from years and years ago, we would be fascinated. This one at the moment... It's charity offers $349. That's what they're, they're looking for. And it'll probably go higher. But, uh, but wh- whether it's genuine or not, I've got no idea. This one comes with 10 pages of documentation. So uh, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? How originally you would have thought, as I did, what a terrible, a terrible thing to have, a piece of hair of Diana. But I should imagine every time she went to get her hair done, somebody... You know, the hair went on the floor because she had her hair cut on a, on a regular basis. So somebody somewhere could be sitting on a trunk full of hair. And that could all be, uh, be done. It would be seen as being, being a bit tacky, I would think. But as I say, if it was Anne Boleyn, we'd be going, look at this, somebody saved this piece of memorabilia. There is still supposed to be, isn't there? I think from Anne Boleyn, the, and we've never found it. I only remember reading about this years and years ago. Um, the hair slide that she had when she had long hair... And the executioner wanted her to make sure that her hair was tied up so he could see her neck. 
gruesome though it is. And this hair slide was then taken by her maid after... You're taking the crisps? He likes the Prosecco crisps. No, no, please, honestly. Diet at the moment. Still got another packet in here as well. But uh, that's why we were trying to find this, this hair slide. Um... So The Sun on Sunday, Caroline Flack. It's a book, apparently. I didn't realise it was a book. Stig told me it was a, it was a book. And, uh, and then there's another story about uh, a premiership. Ace made me abort our baby. I'll let you read that story for yourselves. The People this morning. Paul O'Grady, I dress my dead pal as Lily Savage. X Factor starring Kidnapped Terror. Wannabe Chloe dragged into car and beaten up. It's more bizarre, doesn't it, this country by the day? It really does, honestly. People seem to be jealous of, of people's success. I don't quite understand why. Uh, Witch Hunter Watson's uncle is a child abuser. This is Tom Watson, the Labour deputy leader. I think they're going to be talking about this with, uh, with Stig Abel this morning. Um, the Labour deputy leader, accused of leading a child abuse witch hunt, is related to a paedophile scoutmaster. His uncle was last year jailed for indecently assaulting a nine-year-old cub scout... Five decades ago. Five decades ago. Watson is under fire, as you know, for making unfounded sex crime allegations against Lord Britain. But uh, he's chosen never to speak of the crimes of his uncle, Peter Halliwell, who abused the boy for his own gratification. Unbelievable story. Uh, the front page of the Mirror, why I ignored cancer scare to go on CBB. This is Sherry Hewson, mad as a barrel load of frogs, but funny with it. Uh, the BBC's £20 million battle for Bake Off... Uh, the rights run out next year. Insiders say rival channels would pay £20 million to lure the final's 14.5 million viewers. And a source at the rival channel says, at a rival channel, can only be ITV, can't it, said it's the hottest show on television, everybody would love it. Yeah, the difference being that the reason people like watching it at the moment is because it's on ITV, sorry, it's on BBC, and there's no ad breaks. If it goes onto a commercial channel, it will be filled with ad breaks. And that was the downfall of Eric and Ernie. They went to ITV. More money, I believe. And it was ad breaks. Michael Parkinson, the same with his chat show. BBC, straight through. No ad breaks. But uh, ITV, the moment it went there, ad break. The American shows do it the same way. And I think it, it, doesn't, do as, it doesn't do as well. It doesn't do as well. And uh, the high-level walkways about Tower Bridge have glass floors, says David. I know you wouldn't catch me going up there. <laughs> up there either. And um, my wife, says Stephen in Beaconsfield, Jackie is desperate to know who was voted off last night. Um, no is the answer. No is the answer. OK. <laughs> and um, Steve, is it worth setting up a Charlotte Church tribute band based in Pentonville called Voice of an Angel Islington? Very good. Very good. Poor old Charlotte Church, honestly. I don't think she's shown her face ever since she... Um, she sort of appeared on Question Time. Uh, anyway, and uh, another one here. Back in 79, says Nigel, David Bruce started the Firkin pub change in Notting Hill. They started the fashion of having a microbrewery in the cellar. A glass floor was put in the bar for drinkers to watch the process while consuming the product. Health and Safety Inspectorate said it was unsafe and would have to be taken out. David Bruce refused to be beaten. The local constabulary were happy to help out and sent round a dozen of their largest men. They all stood on chairs and at the signal jumped onto the glass floor. All good. The floor was fine. Officially approved. Which is good news, isn't it? And um, another one here. This is uh, from, from... Oh, I don't know, actually. It doesn't help doesn't help. It sort of had nothing attached to it, which was a shame. Uh, a lot of people very much looking forward to um, uh, Elvis's hair. A lock of 115,000. 
says Wendy. You see, that's apparently considered okay, isn't it? A piece of Elvis's hair. Fans, fans would kill to get something like that. Kill. And uh, appreciate uh, Josh Groban. Might I suggest the chess concert DVD from the Royal Albert Hall? He sings alongside Edina Menzel and Marty Pello. Oh, he's, I, I love him. I think I've seen it, actually. I think I've seen it. And uh, apparently that uh, Ingress Abbey lady always wears gloves, glossy, troweled on makeup, and uh, uh, meet the locals at a party, then they fly to Paris or Dubai, says Sue Ann in Brixton. And uh, as you know, the only flying Vulcan XH558 will cease flying by the end of this month. Currently on a farewell tour around the UK. This weekend, yesterday, they completed their northern route, and today is the turn of the southern route. And today she'll be flying over uh, Northweald, Whitstable, Hearn Bay, and the North Kent coast, Manston, Dover, Ashford, Dunsfold, Farnborough, and Popham. If you go to the website, it's Vulcan to the Sky. You'll like to see this. It'll either take off at uh, 12 noon or 1 p.m. Uh, best to check the website, says uh, Jim. I mean, that's something to see, isn't it? That's something to see. Listen, I've got no more time. I've got to go. I don't want to go. I barely touched the, uh, the surface. The book we mentioned at the beginning, which I'm going to be using for this week, is called More London's Strangest Tales by Tom Quinn. And I'll be delving in and out of it uh, to give you some facts about London and things that you can go out and see uh, in the capital. They're there all the time. It's just that you probably walk past them and you never even think about it. Max and Heath Grinsett said, I've just bought your book on Amazon. There you go. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much indeed. I'll be back tomorrow morning. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show. Good luck to uh, Jez, who's running today, and all the other people who are doing that run in the parks. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. You can download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. My In Conversation is repeated this evening at nine o'clock on LBC with Chris Tarrant and Joanna Lumley. It's a super conversation. Uh, Leading Britain's conversation at ten... It's Beverly Turner, but right now, it's Stig Abel.